first six months or first year was really hard to get used to different lifestyle. It's not just the job. The job was pretty adaptable. Like I was able to adapt and then my coworkers were very supportive. But day-to-day life and dealing with the Japanese people it was a culture shock because since I look Japanese and I speak the language, there were some expectations, right? To behave in a certain way or to show certain body language. And that was not matching the expectation, of course. <laughs> there was certain reactions or certain people saying things, not really adjusting so well. The first year was a little hard for me. Welcome to the second episode of Intercultural Insiders. My name is John McGraw, and I help expats and newcomers feel confident in their new country in less time and pain. I am the founder of Hiyaku Coaching, which is focused on helping people adjust to new cultures and the challenges so they can have long-term success. The purpose of Intercultural Insiders is to share the stories of people with intercultural experiences. If you're feeling isolated or lost, you can hear something from the guests' experiences that could help and remind you that you're not alone. If you can take one thing away, it's to understand that rising to the challenge of adapting to another culture means that we can become better versions of ourselves. My guest, Liliana Nakamura, is an HR consultant and mentor for newcomers to Canada. She has a multicultural background and years of experience working in Argentina, Japan, and Canada. She has a valuable perspective on adapting to different cultures. As a side note, some of you may already be aware, she's also my wife. So I'm very happy to share with all of you just how incredible she is, really, with all of the things that she has accomplished and how she continues to give back to the community and help others along the journey that she's had herself. Before we get into the interview, there were a couple of highlights that I wanted to mention. How her parents raised her to be aware of the cultures around her on a deeper level and This, I think, really helped her to set herself up for success later in life. This is something that I really emphasize in my coaching as the first step to success, which is activating your cultural awareness. It's giving a deep understanding of not only other cultures, but really your own culture and how it affects your way of thinking, that it's just one way to view the world. And when you have that awareness, it makes it much easier to understand other cultures and to adapt to them and to really have 
that long-term success that you can't get from just having a list of do's and don'ts when you're visiting another culture. And another takeaway from this is the importance of making connections in a new culture and getting out of your comfort zone and connecting with locals to adapt and succeed. Now, this is the first part of a two-part interview. So without further wait, let's get into it. Welcome. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. Just seemed natural to have you as the first guest based on the experiences that you've had from your background and the places you've lived and the kind of work that you do. But rather than having me talk, why don't you go ahead and tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Okay, sure. I can tell you about my life and my career. I was born and raised in Argentina by Japanese parents. Both of my parents were Japanese immigrants in Argentina. And I grew up there. I graduated university in Buenos Aires and worked for a few years there at the Japanese embassy in Argentina. That's when I got an opportunity to go to Japan for work. My original plan there was to stay for maybe two years, maybe three but I ended up staying for 12 years. And in Japan, I worked in the government and also got into HR consulting. I also did my MBA from McGill University, which is the Canadian university. And after that, in year 2012, I moved to Toronto, Canada, and I continue working here in the human resources field. So that's a quick snapshot of my life so far. Thanks for the snapshot. I think it gives us a really good sense of the experiences that you've had. And now I want to take a little bit of a deep dive into some of those details that you mentioned. And I think for many people, the idea of Japanese immigrants in Argentina might be a bit surprising depending on where the listeners are from. Maybe you can give us a little bit more of a context about that. Yeah, actually, there are many immigrants in South America. So Japanese people who moved to South American countries, mainly Brazil and Peru. But Argentina was also receiving immigrants after the Second World War. And that's where you see a lot of Japanese communities in those countries. So I guess my parents went into that stream and they got attracted by South America, which maybe sounded really exotic for them. But yeah, you see a lot of immigrants and now this maybe fourth and fifth generation of Japanese people there. What was it like growing up in a Japanese family in Argentina? When I was growing up, my parents spoke to me in Japanese at home, but they also mixed Spanish words because they had studied Spanish and they were living there, working there. And my parents made sure that I learned Spanish as well because it's the local language. They brought the kids to play with me in the neighborhood or they really made sure that I was acquainted with the local language and the culture. And food was also like a mix of Japanese dishes and local Argentine dishes. So it was different. I would say somehow 
from a young age, I knew that family was a little different than from the other kids' families. But my parents explained that, and I think they really wanted me to be part of the Argentine society. And that's where they also made friends with neighbors and local people. So yeah, that's what I can say. They were really trying to expose me to both cultures since a young age. I can see how being raised that way had a significant influence on you. What would you say was the most important thing that you developed from that? That's a good question. I think I built a lot of awareness that you can be in a society or in a country, but then there's this outer world, there's other countries in the world. From a young age, I was aware that there are many countries and different cultures. I remember as a kid having a world map and my parents would say, oh yeah, here's Japan and we're here in Argentina in the southern hemisphere. And I would be really curious. I was always asking questions and I got interested in other countries. I would ask, what are these other countries? And that got me curious and wanting to research more about different countries and cultures and languages. And I think that the worldview from that kind of bringing up, I think it gave me a perspective that I should be learning always. I should be knowing people and cultures, not from a superficial level, just like food or customs. I think my intent is always to get to know people and get to know what they think and what they experience and different cultures from that perspective. And for example, I was very fortunate to be able to travel a lot for business and for pleasure. And in most occasions, I really tried to see where regular people living in, in those cities would hang out and where do they go and think and what would be their normal life. I really want to keep that. And I think that comes from how I was raised. I can see that you had a lot of deep interest in the deep culture and the underlying values and the ways that people think. What would you say was the most important thing that really stood out for you when you really started to explore those ways that people really lived and the way that they thought? I think in a lot of ways, when I was living in Japan, for example, I could see the different ways of working and the beliefs. A lot of things that really influenced how people behave. And in Japan, it's a very collective, consensus-based society. A lot of the day-to-day -day behaviors that you see in the people and the workplace are consensus-based. And you really have to maintain the harmony and make sure that everybody's informed and so on. So going from Latin country to a society like that, it was very different. And that's also like something that stood out. And I had to learn new ways of doing things and behaving. So that's one thing that I can mention in that sense. So what was it that motivated you to move to Japan? 
At the time I was working at the Japanese embassy in Buenos Aires, I was a cultural advisor. There was an opportunity to go to Japan with the JET program. JET is Japan Exchange and Teaching Program. And my role was to be the coordinator for a group of teachers there, a group of foreign teachers working at public schools in Japan. So I got that opportunity and I thought it was the right moment to go and try something else. I was very curious and motivated to go to Japan and live there because my first time visiting Japan was when I was 11 years old. I went there with my mom and I stayed for a couple of months with my family or my mother's family, but that was a visit. And then as an adult, I wanted to have a different experience, some work experience abroad. So that's where I saw the opportunity and I passed all the tests for that. Thought it was the right moment and I went with that program. Of course, you had the exposure to Japanese culture throughout your life as you were growing up. And as you said, you've been working as a cultural advisor. First six months or first year was really hard to get used to different lifestyle. It's not just the job. The job was pretty adaptable. Like I was able to adapt and then my coworkers were very supportive. But day-to-day -day life and dealing with the Japanese people, it was a culture shock because since I look Japanese and I speak the language, there were some expectations, right? To behave in a certain way or to show certain body language. And that was not matching the expectation, of course. But it was certain reactions or certain people saying things, not really adjusting so well. The first year was a little hard for me. Then the second year was okay. I think I got more adjusted and also I spent time studying more of the language and getting more acquainted of the more modern vocabulary. Because when I studied in Argentina, it was with very old books and it was a very formal language. Then going there, learning the current vocabulary was also a process, right? So second year was a little easier. Then it got easier later. With that adjustment, what's a situation that you recall that really stood out for you within that first year? Not understanding certain vocabulary, maybe that was a barrier sometimes. In Japan, there is so many, what you call gairaigo, words or expressions that are taken from other languages. And then people keep adapting those to the Japanese pronunciation. And sometimes they shorten the words or they mix two words and put them together. And it's the Japanese word for something. Yeah, that language it was difficult to get used to and to understand at first. I would read a text. So, for example, let's say I was trying to read some instructions and I saw some words like area, right? Area is area in English, but I would ask my colleague in the office, why don't you say the traditional <laughs> Japanese word? Why don't you put it in that foreign 
pronunciation foreign language or for example i would go to a store and ask for a certain product that i cannot find on the shelves and the people there the young people would look at me and say what it's so not being able to convey and then having to explain i was very frustrated aside from language in terms of the adjustment i remember that you told me a story about giving a presentation to a number of retirees. Oh yeah, I went to a community store because some of my responsibilities were to present or introduce my country or my culture to Japanese people, right? There were a number of presentations I had to give at schools or community events. And at some point I did a presentation on Argentina and I was really moving my hands a lot because that's how we speak in Argentina. We move hands and we use a lot of expressions, even facial expressions. Then I was very enthusiastic about showing my country, but some of the feedback that came in written form, of course, in Japan, everybody saves face. It's, nobody would tell me something, especially if they just saw me for the first time. And yeah, some of the written feedback, a couple of sheets said it was interesting, but she moved her hands and it was a little aggressive in the tone or the way of explaining. But that was a little shocking at the time because it was the first time I had heard or received that feedback. Yeah, I could see how that could really be quite shocking adjusting to that feedback and the means of giving the feedback as well. I think there are reasons for that. And if everybody's behaving in a certain way and this new person comes from a different culture, they use different body language. That's also a way to expose them to that type of culture. So in the end, I think it was positive. That's a good way to look at it. What would you say was the one thing that really helped you to adjust to Japan? One thing that really helped me was to meet friends locally, right? So some Japanese friends, some were the spouses of my foreign friends, just being able to have local people and people who I could ask questions to. Some of my coworkers also became good friends. That helped with the adjustment. I also got to visit new places. I got to see my relatives there. So gradually, I think a lot of things helped me. Then, of course, you met some weird Canadian guy and eventually we got married. But your connection to Canada was actually something that happened even before we met. The thing is, around the year 2000. Three, 2004. So after three or four years in Japan, I started to think, okay, what should I do next? My idea was not to stay in Japan forever. I was comfortable. I was already working in HR consulting. I had a nice corporate job there, but I had started thinking, okay, if I move somewhere else, where would that be? I didn't want to go back to Argentina because the economic situation was not great. And I wanted to explore more of the world. And I started looking at moving to the U.S. or Canada. 
And actually, my condition was to be in an English-speaking country in the Northern Hemisphere. Because <laughs> I thought that in Northern Hemisphere, a lot of things happened. And I was more attracted to the U.S. or Canada, and at least to try it out. So that was one reason, a very personal reason. Another reason was that I had visited Canada once in 2002. And one of my good friends from Argentina, we did high school together. She was living in Toronto. So she told me a lot of good things and she showed me around. So I knew Toronto at the time. Then another thing is that I completed an MBA from McGill University in Japan because they have a program there. So I got exposed to a lot of Canadian topics and I thought, okay, Canada seems to be better and a place to go. And I also saw that there is an immigration program, right? The Federal Skilled Worker Program. So I decided to apply in 2004 and I just sent my application and waited for really for a long time. <laughs> and then I met you on, in 2005. So that's also part of the reason was all the stars aligned for me to move to Canada. So that was part one. I hope you enjoyed it. Part two will be coming up this Friday. And in this part, Liliana is going to get more into the start of her time in Canada. And one thing that she really focuses on is the importance of having a plan or a roadmap to success. I know from my own personal experience that if I had a plan when I first went to Japan, I would have been successful much sooner. If you want to know more about having a roadmap to success, I encourage you to contact me at Hyaku Coaching. You can find me on thriveglobally.ca. And you can also contact me through LinkedIn. And you can reach me at John McGraw at thriveglobally.ca. I encourage you to tune in this Friday to learn more about Liliana's journey and how she succeeded in Canada. In the meantime, Keep navigating between cultures on your path to success. Mm -hmm.